Welcome to the Leadership Pulse. My name is Becky Wolf, and I'm your host. With me today, I have Dr. Brittany Lamb, who has been a practicing emergency physician since 2014. She experienced burnout working in healthcare, sought help, and took action. To fill some of the gaps in advanced care planning, Dr. Lamb started a blog, started engaging on social media, and created an online program to fill this particular gap in healthcare. Through her online program, Make Your Plan with Dr. Lamb, she helps dementia family medical decision makers become prepared and confident in their role as an advocate for their person. Dr. Lamb, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad to oh my be gosh. here. I'm so excited to talk with you. We have had the opportunity to engage uh, a little bit on LinkedIn and had a couple of conversations. So I'm super pumped for, there, for you to be here talking about your journey. Um, I want to first highlight and touch on burnout for you. Um, the percentage of burnout in healthcare is still pretty high with, I believe the number is over 60% of healthcare uh, workers mm-hmm. experiencing burnout, right? Um, so I'm curious when, you know, I got your introduction, I was like, ah, burnout, you sought help, took action. So can you give us a little bit of insight into what that was like for you? Yeah. I mean, I think that as, as a physician, when we go through training, we're, conditioned to keep going and keep climbing to the next rock and just keep going, going, going. Self-sacrifice is kind of built into how we're trained. And when I got to a point where I was finished with training and I was then board certified, I started looking around and I was like, is this my life now? I had nothing else to climb for, you know? And um, I also, I also am a big picture thinker and I, want to do what's best for the person in front of me. And sometimes I feel like it's not my healthcare system. It's not my healthcare system that I work in. That's the issue. It's really like the entire structure of healthcare that makes you feel often like you're a cog within a wheel. You're, you know, like you're just there putting out fires. And for me in the ER, it's all reactionary. And you're, and I was seeing that there are lots of problems I was coming up against that if somebody just had access to information ahead of time, they maybe wouldn't have even come to the ER or they wouldn't be so disappointed with what happened. We could have set their expectations better. There's just so many big picture problems in healthcare and you feel kind of powerless to do anything about it when you're just like going into work every day. Um, so I, I was really struggling. I mean, I, I, I never was like, in a situation where I wasn't safe or I was really depressed, I was verbalizing that I was frustrated. And um, I started Googling, you know, physician burnout. I looked on LinkedIn, like I started seeing other people talking about this issue. Um, and I reached out some, to some different people and got, got some coaching. And, um, and that was really helpful. So that was kind of my way into it. But I honestly, I feel that really ever since I finished residency, which was in, I finished in 2017. Um, I've really been struggling with a bit of burnout ever since then. So, yeah. Yeah. So I want to just highlight. So you, there are some big picture problems in healthcare and that's, that's the thing that comes up over and over again. And there's not necessarily solutions within it. So in, like you said, ER, very reactionary type of environment. So, um, kind of led you down the path of, let me look and see what I can do to help myself. And you landed on um, physician coaching or you found some coaching support. Um, That's awesome. So in that type of program, what did you find that was helpful for you? 
One of the things that I did at the end of the day, I kept a journal next to my bed and wrote down things that I was grateful for. Um, that was extremely helpful. Um, also, something else was on shift. If I was getting really frustrated or could tell I was getting very stressed out, I would be, I was more aware of it. You know, I was like taught to become more aware of how I was feeling. And then I would take a minute and go walk away because you don't always have to be there. Mm. And, you know, like when you have to go to the bathroom or you need to get water, I started prioritizing some of my basic needs and, um, and I would breathe (laughs) and know that, I mean, I know that it sounds kind of crazy, but it does help you. It does help you to just focus on breathing. So those were those were two of the things that I implemented right away. And I should probably still be doing my gratitude journaling, but I, I stopped doing that. Um, but it was so helpful to actually, cause our brains are, are wired to focus on the negative. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it takes, I don't know, what is it like seven positive things to outweigh one negative thing that you really just hold on to. And, um, something else that I did too, was when I go into work in the ER, I set really low <laughs> low expectations for myself, for myself. So I tell myself, I'm going to make an impact, a positive impact in just like one person's life today, make a difference for one person. And I'm not going to let anybody die that isn't like supposed to die. I'm going to do my best to make those things happen. And usually I can meet those objectives. And so kind of having some low hanging fruit type goals, that was also helpful for me. Yeah. Oh, I love that you shared all of that. So I hear self-awareness. So I hear like being really present to your basic needs, like breathing is amazing. (laughs) Drinking water, all of those things are great. Um, And then mindfulness. So kind of mindfulness of like the intent, so the intent before you even walk in the doors of who can I help? Who can I serve? um, And just being really intentional to be focused on the patient in front of you. Uh, and then I love the gratitude journal. That's, you know, it, it's, it is, um, our brains are very much wired for the negative. So we really mm-hmm. have to be intentional again to focus mm-hmm. on the things that are our positives. So I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. Um, yeah. so, um, how are you finding ways? So this might, is like a little bit of a piggyback question, I guess, but how are you finding ways to navigate the complicated healthcare system right now? Because it's still very flawed. Um, What are some things that you do personally to one of those? I love how you just kind of prefaced that was, you know, I just go in and I focus on one shift at a time. Is there anything else that really helps you uh, stay within the scope of like what you're able to do and like what's maybe out of your control? Yeah, I mean, I think that some days are more stressful than others. I try to I really try to be mindful of the fact of what I say to around staff. Um, so we have, you know, there's a lot of support staff in the emergency department and we have a lot of new people in healthcare. And so, I mean, and we do have kind of a, we kind of have a funny culture in the ER. I think we're very dark. I mean, you know, cause you have experience with this. Oh yes. I, I recall this. Dark. We really probably should have a separate room that we hang out in rather than being in an area where patients can hear us. But it's part of how we cope. Um, And so I try to like facilitate a place where people can be open about what's frustrating about a patient or situation, but then like focus on what can we do to make that person's day better? And then why maybe are they in the situation that they're in? Like they have lack of experience. They have lack of knowledge. They didn't know where to go. They called their doctor, their doctor sent them here or the nurse triage line sent them here. So I think it's kind of just realizing that the people are just there in a time of need and they don't know what else to do. And so 
it's frustrating the inefficiencies that we see in the ER because a lot of the patients we see don't need to be there truly. Um, and it can be really hard to try to take care of all of them and reassure them and then manage them being upset that they didn't get what they wanted. While if we have another like critically ill patient. Um, and so I try to be direct with people too. I try to be open and honest with my staff and then also with patients like, look, you know, you came in here, your problem is, is I know that it's, it's very concerning to you, but in the grand scheme of things, we've got other bigger fish to fry. And I just tell people, I just mm -hmm. am honest with them. And I think people appreciate that. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that really answers your question. There's so much that there that we don't have control over. Um, yeah. 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 No, I think it is. It's, it's helpful to give people context because when they're not certain, that's what they're looking for. They're, they're looking for reassurance. They're looking for some like type of communication that's actually helpful. So and I remember doing that, honestly, in the ER. So I worked in the ER for a couple of years before I went to, to cardiology. And there were just some, you know, it, it's, it's tough. It's a very tough environment. I remember the humor that we used to have to get through just one, <laughs> one uh, shift uh, when we were working all together. So it, it, it creates this resiliency within a team. Um, but I do remember those days having the team mindset. Um, I remember, you know, ER docs, like I used to be part of the the shift that would help some of the docs leave. And mm. if there was, if it was, you know, potentially a time where uh, there wasn't a lot happening, I'm like, go home. I got this. I can handle this. Like, there's nothing that's going to, I can handle a broken, like a broken ankle. <laughs> go home, <laughs> you know? Um, so it, it is like really like this team mindset that you have to have. And so finding ways to have common ground, I think is so helpful um, and building off like positive language when you can. So that's great. Yeah. So um, anything, uh, anything else that's helpful for you? I mean, I think I try, I just try not to be, I try to be mindful when I'm getting really negative because that happens to me. I get really frustrated and I get really negative. And then that can, as a physician, as a leader, you can really affect the morale of the staff. Mm -hmm. And so I have to, I have to check myself quite a bit and make sure that I'm not complaining too much, <laughs> complaining too much or using too much dark humor. <laughs> so I think that's part of it, but I mean, yeah. I, I think all of us could use more coaching and like probably therapy as well and all kinds yeah. of modalities to help us be more yeah. self-aware and come up with tools and things that we can use. But, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Just one day at a time. It is. Yep. Yep. The mindset of one day at a time. How can I be the, the best in this moment that I potentially can be? Yeah. I love that. So I also want to ask some questions. Um, so you mentioned very beginning of the podcast, you're a big picture person and you can mm -hmm. see the injustices and I'm very much the same way. Uh, I, my, my thing was like, uh, perpetuating like healthy, positive, like diet, exercise, habits, behavior change, all those kinds of things. For you, it is, I assume um, there was multiple patients coming into the ER for you with advanced care planning and not having adequate support, help resources given. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm that's part of my journey out of burnout. I'm feeling much better now that I've created a whole second full-time job for myself <laughs> in this in this business that I'm doing, um, which I'm working on making it profitable. So it'll be worth all this investment of time. But it's made me feel better um, as a as a leader and as a person as a doctor. So, um, but yeah, I think what I saw was 
I see a lot of people who are aging coming into the emergency department and, you know, they're a certain age, they have certain medical problems. And when you look at just the objective kind of data without honestly like dehumanizing them for a second, a lot of the stuff that happens to them and why they come in to see us was foreseeable. And a lot of this is, you know, chronic illnesses that they have and what those illnesses put them at risk for. And then we're dealing with those situations and from a medical standpoint. And what happens is when people who are aging get sick or they're ill or they're injured, they struggle to make their own medical decisions a bit more than people who are younger. And their family members step in to help them. And their family members oftentimes have literally no idea about any of their medical problems. And so then they're asked to make decisions and people are over-relying on our traditional methods of advanced care planning, which in my opinion, are are not really working. For people who are aging, I, I don't think we're doing a good enough job because we're planning just for the end of life. We're not planning for the journey of life as you age. Um, for people who value quality of life, you, you really do have to look at the medical risks that they have and start planning for each of those, like risk, the big risky situations that they could find themselves in. Like what would they want and not want in each of those clinical situations? Like what we do now with go fill out your advanced directive to your living will or your five wishes and make sure you choose a medical decision maker on paper. I mean, those are tools, but they're not a plan. So it was frustrating to me to see that continuously happen. So I, I started working online to support family members of people living with dementia because we know that they will lose the ability to make their own decisions sooner than, you know, everybody who's aging in general. So that's not a normal part of aging to, to develop dementia. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of the foray into what happened to me um, in my business. Yeah. So I, I love that. You, so seeing a need, and you're like, how do I fill the gap that I'm seeing? So creating the online, the first, the blog, and then having mm-hmm. a, a social media presence talking about what you're doing, and then the course. So tell us about the course. Like, so what is it? So you kind of indicated like what's out there right now and yeah. like what what does this kind of do in conjunction with what's out there? Yeah, yeah. So I think what we do well or kind of well for people who have resources is the legal planning and the financial planning part of aging. I think that we kind of have avenues to send people down from from that perspective. But when it comes to the medical planning, I think that it's not working because part of the problem is because primary care doctors and specialists who are guiding people in their illnesses over time do not have the time it takes to actually educate people about those illnesses. I mean, I can't tell you how many patients I see in the ER who have no idea that they have congestive heart failure. And they don't understand that it's a chronic illness that usually gets worse over time. And that's why we have to manage all of these parameters, you know, about them, their blood pressure, how much volume they keep on board, how much salt, you know, all the things. They don't understand that. And so it's this lack of basic understanding of the disease process and then how it will potentially get worse over time or how it could make them at risk of being really sick and needing hospital-based care, needing critical care in the ICU. And I think we have a lot of people who value the way that they live on a day-to-day and they care about their quality of life. And I think a lot of people at some point would say, I think this might be too much, um, too much care. And, And in some cases, our biases as healthcare professionals also could push people to receive too little care. And we have to check that. So I um, 
I just, it's, it's a lot to unpack, but the course itself is basically, it's for people who are making medical decisions on behalf of the person living with dementia. And I teach them like ethically, like how are you going to be a person's decision maker, supporting them in a bit of like the mindset of it. But then I teach them like about goals of care. And there's three big categories of goals of care and how that's the foundation and how we make every medical decision is based on your person's goals of care that they can change over time if this person values quality of life. And then I literally teach them all the medical conditions that their person is at risk for. One, because they're living with dementia, Two, because they're an aging human being. And I and I teach things like atrial fibrillation and congestive heart failure and then the complications of severe and end stage depression or not depression of dementia. So um so yeah, so it's a lot. We talk about the medical order forms like the do not resuscitate and if their state has a pulsed form, so all the tools they can use. So it's really it's medical decision planning and it's a concept that I I mean, I know other people have thought of this. I just don't see anybody else, do, anybody else doing it. So, um, but it's it's my passion. It's what I think is the solution for people who are willing to put in the time. And not everybody is, right? I don't think everybody's willing to one come to terms with the fact that they're aging, two come to terms with the fact that dementia is unfortunately all the different diseases. We can't we can't fix them right now. We can't really reverse them. Maybe if they're really early on, that's a possibility. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's a lot. But it's it's made me very excited about about being able to help on my own terms, and that's that's been kind of the solution to my burnout. Yeah. So it sounds like a really comprehensive approach towards dementia in particular. Of like, this is what could happen, and having that intentional focus. And I'll be honest, like some of your social media posts, like my sister and I were affected by because Mm -hmm. our mom is getting a bit older and she has some other ailments. She doesn't have dementia, thank God. But we really started thinking about it intentionally. And so we've had some really great conversations around it. So it's comprehensive. It's really uh, getting into a bit more detail than what um, other, you know, advanced care directives do, which is so helpful because I don't think that there is a lot of thought from uh, either a patient perspective uh, or early stages of dementia or later stages where families having to think about these things. So mm-hmm. um, I appreciate the the care that you put into doing that because that is a lot of work. Um, so what has yeah. it done for you? So you said it yeah. kind of gave you this new spark, this new life. So tell me what it's, what it's yeah, done for you. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. You know, I, I came online and I get people emailing me and telling me that they talked to their person's doctor and, you know, figured things out. And it was because of something that I wrote, you know, or people who have per- who have purchased and gone through my course, you know, they're they're telling me that they feel kind of free in a way that now that they that they realize what could happen and they have a plan for if it does happen, um, what kind of decisions that they're going to have to make, they feel almost like a weight has been off of them and they can focus on their person. And, you know, it did take me a lot of time to figure this out. It's not easy. And, and running a business as a physician, I, I think that we are capable and that we should take back control and do what we can to help patients and think outside of the box. But it's not what I was taught. You know, I, I went to, I went to school to become a doctor. I didn't go to school to learn how to create an online business. So it's been, but it's been fun. You know, I've, I realized some things about myself. One that I love to learn. Um, I didn't. I 
I think that I never realized that about myself, which is kind of silly because I'm a doctor. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel very hopeful about the ability to make a positive impact on people on my own terms mm-hmm. and for, you know, the, the potential financial independence and like being able to choose to be, to still practice as an emergency medicine physician and not have to from a financial perspective, which is the situation that I am in now. Mm-hmm. I think most patients would would love for their doctor to be there because they truly want to be there and not because, you know, I've got student loan debt, I've got a house, I've got all these things, you know, you have to pay pay your bills. So yeah. Yeah. Those are those are my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. And even at the beginning of the, our conversation, you kind of indicated like at the end of residency, you're like, now what? I just get to practice and there's like no more achievements, right? Um, which I think yeah. people with high expectation who love to learn, who love to just see what's next, that can be kind of hard not to have a goal set. Um, so this kind of gave you some new perspective, it seems, uh, which is really, really cool. Good. So how can people take advantage of the course? Where can they find you online? Yeah, I would recommend that if people are interested, they go to my website. Um, It's B as in Brittany and then lamb as in the animal MD.com. So blammd.com. And um, the information on the course is there, the pricing and how to sign up and everything. And then you can sign up to receive my emails from my website as well. And that's probably the best way to connect with me. So I try to email my people once a week and then I'm all over social media. So if you, I mean, if you Google Brittany Lamb dementia, you'll find, you'll find me. (laughs) Good thing for Google, right? We can find any resource I think, but yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for the conversation today. I love what you're doing. Love the gap that you're filling in healthcare um, and just appreciate your heart to serve those uh, who really need it, who I feel like have gotten missed uh, a lot in the Mm. healthcare system. So I appreciate your, your work. Yes. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Becky. Yes. Uh, If you have enjoyed this conversation, I would appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave us a review. We are always uh, looking to serve more people. And the way that we do that is through reviews. So if you have the opportunity to do that, we would love it. And until next time, um, make it a great day.